Good evening and blessings to you, Hampton Roads and Tidewater. Good evening to all of our internet listeners everywhere. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. And once again, we're here to break down, discuss, and offer you insight into the dynamics of your marriage and family relationships. We hope to help you repair, enhance, grow, rebuild, and perfect those relationships. Well, I'm back from my visit to Japan for our annual workers meeting there in our Japan Church of God in Christ jurisdiction. And I also enjoyed the Church of God in Christ uh, International Annual Leadership Conference in Los Angeles. Uh, also, those were two really timely and beneficial programs. And I'm better because of them both. And I, I do want to put a plug in for our Japan Church of God in Christ Jurisdiction's 50th Holy Convocation coming this coming June, June 15th through 20th of this year. That's just a few months away. If you ever dream of an amazing experience abroad, this is your opportunity. Come on and attend our 50th Holy Convocation in Japan with us. Hit me up at cdhodges at hotmail.com and I can brief you on how you can make that trip happen. Now, last week I dealt with men and their ideas and perspectives on marriage and family. I don't have time to go over all of that. There's so much to cover when we're talking about uh, men and their issues. And that's what this multi-week series is about, men and their issues. And last week, as I said, we dealt with men and their perspectives and ideas on marriage and family. Uh, I, I don't have time to do it all again, but I do want to deal with that just a little bit more. Uh, there was a concept that I did introduce last week that I think is pretty important. And I want to recap that concept right quick. And that is the fact that men and women for that matter, but men are always building their lives. And they build their lives on what they hope to be truths and workable truths that you can actually uh, stand on. However, because of their socialization or because of some negative experiences or some some serious hurts and disappointments and and so forth and so on, that they, these things have made a deep impact in their hearts, their minds, their souls, and it's changed their minds. It's, 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 it's kind of twisted their minds. And because of this, they end up building their lives on lies, L-I-E-S, rather than truths. And, and I want to tell you something. Every man's downfall or every man's trouble area in life, every man's struggle, every man's addiction, Addiction, every man's problem, whatever it is, man, every man's trouble area, uh, 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 it's the result of living a lie. You know, it may be the lie that you were not loved, the lie that you were abandoned, the lie that nobody cared. It may be the lie that says it's okay to objectify women. It may be the lie that says women are beneath you. Women are not equal to you. It may be the lie that you need sex 24-7. It may be any number of lies that we base our lives on. But the truth of the matter is, men, we crash and we burn. We run headlong into walls in life. We don't reach our destiny. We don't, we don't reach our potential. We don't experience the fulfillment that we're looking for and that we dream of and that we expect out of life simply because we live on lives. We live our lives. We live a life based on a lie. And I'm saying we because I've been there myself and I'm still getting over some stuff. 
So I know that you're getting over some stuff out there. But we crash because we live our lives based on a lie. And to be honest with you, this is exactly what Jesus was teaching in Matthew 7 when he taught about a wise man building his house on a rock and a foolish man building his house on sand. The wise man's house was able to stand the storms that inevitably beat on it because a rock is solid. A rock is unmovable and unshakable. On the other hand, the foolish man built his house on sand. And we know sand is shifty and, and can't hold its place in small waves even. It can't even stand in one place, let alone stand strong winds and storms. Listen, the strong winds and storms of life, they are inevitable and they will beat on you. But the difference in you standing and falling, the difference in victory and defeat is in the question what have I built my life on? Have I built my life on a lie or have I built my life on a truth? The concept is simple. The house is a man's life. The rocks symbolize truth and the sand symbolize lies. If you build your life, if you build your life on truth, uh, you're going to become a secure self-assured, optimistic, unselfish, a whole bunch of positive adjectives I could use right here. I could go on with this list. But if you build your life on truth, you're going to become the person you desire to be. You're going to become the person you dream of being. You're going to become the person that you were born to be, that God created you to be. A person who is able to build up another person in a relationship without feeling all insecure about things. A man who builds on truth or the rock, whichever one you want to say, a man who builds on truth will become a man who is secure enough in his own person that he can look out for the emotional, physical and spiritual needs of his wife and children. That's a man who builds his life on truth. It's going to be secure enough. It's going to be strong enough. It's going to be stable enough. He's going to be mature enough. He's going to be aware of himself enough to be able to help build his wife, help take care of his children. And that care includes emotional, physical, and spiritual. He's going to be able to take care of it. But then again, if you're a man who build your life on lies, that's the saying. If you build your life on lies, then the opposite is going to be true. The man who builds his life on lies can expect to become an insecure, self-absorbed, pessimistic, self-centered person who enters a relationship and competes for love and attention. He can expect to be emotionally immature and always seeking to get one up on his wife. That's who you are, man, if you have built your life on lies. If you feel like you're competing with your wife for love, competing with your wife for attention, competing with your wife for power, man, you're believing a lie. You're acting on a lie. Don't trust the lie. Come into the knowledge of the truth and allow truth to make you free. I'm going to share some truth with you in just a moment, too. 
I need you to get that. There's going to be two different outcomes there, two totally different outcomes. The man who builds his life on truth becomes the man that God created him to be, the man that he dreams of being, the man that he knows he's supposed to be. On the other hand, the man that builds his life on a lie becomes untrustworthy, dishonorable. Uh, he's going to be prone to outbursts, self-centered. I think that's the most important thing. Insecure, self-absorbed, and self-centered. If you build on a lie, you're going to be insecure, self-absorbed, and self-centered. You can expect it. Don't be surprised. If this, if this is your outcome, will you hear me please? If this is your outcome in life, it's because you have built your life on a lie. You are believing lies. The man that builds his life on lies is the man who knows one scripture in the Bible. All he knows is one scripture. He knows that the Bible says a woman should submit to her husband. That's his one scripture. When you build your life on a lie. He doesn't even know where the scripture is found in the Bible. But he knows that one scripture. He can turn to it in Ephesians 5 if he really wanted to. If his life depended on it. But he really believes it's there. Why? Because he believes in a lie. It's not the scripture he believes. He's chasing the lie that a woman is beneath him. He's chasing the lie that he's supposed to be the boss of the woman. Man, listen to me. If you build your house on a lie and you think that scripture is a license to exert an undue amount of power in your marriage. Man, if you build your house on a lie, uh, 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 that's exactly what you end up thinking. That scripture is not a license for you to exert undue pressure on your wife. But if you build your house on a lie, you think that scripture means your wife should render blind obedience to you and always do what you say. You think you're the only decision maker in the home. And even if you do allow your wife to have some say so, even if you do allow her in on the discussions, even if you do listen to her opinion from time to time, when you base your life on a lie, it's not because you want to hear what she has to say. It's because you're throwing her a bone in order to keep her quiet in the future. If you build your house on sand, that is build your life on a lie, you view your wife as your property. You think she's yours to misuse, to push around, to disregard, to take for granted. You think she's yours to boss around, to abandon, to neglect. That's what you think and feel when you build your life on a lie. So you know good and well, you know good and well a man who chooses to put his hand on his wife is living a lie. Man, if you believe that it's okay, if you believe that it's okay to hit your wife, you're definitely living a lie. And if you believe these other lies, then it won't be long before you become that abuser. And an abuser abuses in more ways than hitting physically. There's emotional abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. You know what? If you hide money from your wife, you're an abuser and you're living a lie. If you won't let your wife have access to money, if you control how much money your wife spends, you're an abuser. You're living a lie and you will never experience fulfillment because you're always going to be fearful that she's going to find out 
you don't have the power that you've been fooling her to think that you really have. That's what happens when you live a lie. I'm trying to challenge you men to take a good, hard, strong, brutally honest look at yourself and be brutally honest about who and what you see in the mirror. I'm talking to you about your concept of marriage. I'm talking to you about your ideas and your concepts about the family. No man wakes up in the morning and say, I really want to be an abuser. But because he's based his life on lies and lies control his thinking, lies control his feeling, lies motivate him. He believes he's acting out of truth, but they're really lies. He has no choice but to become the abuser. I want to expose it tonight. But the man, but the man, but the man who builds his house on rocks, that is, he builds his life on truth. He understands that if he wants his wife to submit to him, then he must give her something worth submitting to. What do I mean something worth submitting to? I'm glad you asked that question. Give your wife something worth submitting to means, man, that you live a life that demonstrates to your wife that she matters most and that you're doing and you are being the man she can trust with her heart because you are serious about caring for her heart. Let me say that again. Get, get, if you want your wife to submit to you, you got to be more than just a boss. She's not going to submit to you because you're the boss. If you want your wife to submit to you, you got to give your wife something worth submitting to. And that means your life, your life, the life that you live, the person whom you are, those demonstrate to your wife that she matters the most to you. She's the priority to you. And the life that you live, the person who you are, that demonstrates to your wife that you are doing and you are being the man she can trust. She can trust you with her heart because she knows by your life that you're serious about caring for her heart. Now, that's the macro vision of giving her something to submit to. The overall, the big umbrella picture of giving her something to submit to. Let me give you the micro vision of giving your wife something to submit to. A woman's chief need in a relationship is security. You provide for her security in many ways, man. When you do what you say, you're providing for her security. When you are where you say you're going to be, you provided for her security. And when you do what you say you're going to do, and when you are in the place where you say you're going to be all the time, you're providing for your wife's security. If you want to show her that you're worth submitting to. You lead your wife in setting goals for your family, goals that she can participate in. You work to secure your wife's future. You can expect your wife to submit to you. And when you look in the bank, there's no money. When you look in the retirement account, there is no money.
There is no life insurance. There are no investments. There are no mutual funds. There, 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 there's nothing there to fix for the future. There's nothing in place to secure the future. And you want your wife to submit to you? You've got to demonstrate to your wife that you're a man of goals, you're looking out for the future, and you're going to do what's required to take care of her and your family. Work to secure her future. You take responsibility for, and you work diligently towards providing for the needs of your wife and your family. That's what, if you really want your wife to submit to you, then give her something worth submitting to, and this is how you do it. Man, if you haven't put any money up, if you have all of the latest gadgets, whether it's the latest computer or, 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 or smart device, whether it's the latest earphone, whatever the case may be, if you have the latest gadgets in your repertoire, but you don't have any money saved up for retirement, if you don't have any money saved up for a rainy day, if you don't have any money saved up for a down payment on a house, if you're not even trying to buy a house to put your wife and family in, then you're saying to your wife, I'm really not worth submitting to. If you want your wife to submit to you, give her something worth submitting to. Lay out a vision for the future to your wife. See how she responds to that. Tell her your dreams. Tell her some of your aspirations. Tell her what you see her. Tell her of the great future you see her living. Tell her how you want to uh, provide for her. Show her those things. Don't try to impress her. Just let her know you're looking out for her. If you will give your wife something worth submitting to, then you will speak words that build her up. One thing men don't understand is that the words we speak to our wives are like seeds that are planted into the ground. Just think about it. When you speak to your wife, you're planting seeds. So if you come home from work and take out the day's frustrations on your wife, you're planting some seeds, man. And those seeds are going to grow up. They're going to bring you a harvest. And it's going to be a harvest that you did not bank on. It's going to be a harvest that you did not count on. I always say that a seed sown must bear fruit. You can sow seeds that bring forth a desirable fruit. Or you can sow seeds that bring forth undesirable fruit. Just know this. Whenever, however, you talk to your wife. You're planting seed. And the way that we talk to our wives will either build our wives up or tear our wives down. Men, you do not win your wife's heart and you don't give her something worth submitting to when you speak to her harshly or abruptly or abrasively. You, you, you don't talk to your wife that way. You don't win her heart that way. You don't make her feel secure that way. That type of talk expressed uh, to your wife only says that you are insecure and you feel bigger as a man when you treat her smaller as a woman. Wow, that's heavy. I hope you're getting that. When you talk harshly and abrasively to your wife, you're tearing her down and you're really tearing her. You're insecure, you're fearful, and you can only feel better around her when you make her feel smaller. That's the only way you can feel bigger.
The kind of words you need to be speaking to your wife will have a great effect on propping up her sense of security. The kind words you speak. You need to speak kind words to your wife. Reassuring words. Words that build up her self-esteem. Words that remind her that she is somebody. Words that remind her that she helps to make you. Words that help her be excited and anticipate her future. Words that inspire her to go forward and fight on through tough times. When you talk to your wife that way, it will have such a great effect on propping up her sense of security. And guess what? That will go a long way in showing her that you're worth submitting to. Here's something else men don't realize. Your wife may be hurting emotionally just like you. Let me say that again. Your wife may be hurting emotionally just like you. The same way that you lose your cool and lose your temper because you're hurting emotionally, your wife has some ways and dispositions as a result of her emotional hurt also. You got to take that into consideration. And instead of taking her actions and reactions for face value, you would do well to imagine that she's just putting up some defenses to protect herself from getting hurt. Instead of feeding her, uh, 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 instead of feeding her quick temper by losing your temper also, you would do well to step back and grab a hold of yourself, man. Bring yourself down. Calm yourself down. Listen, if you want to boast of being the man and the leader in your home, then take the time to learn yourself. As I said last week, grow up. Put your big boy pants on, your big boy shoes, whatever you want to call it. Grow up and become the man that your wife needs you to be. I want to share a secret with you. Here's a secret. If you treat your wife like her self-esteem is fragile, you will learn to speak the right language in the right tone to her. She may be strong, but 1 Peter 3 says, treat the wife like she's the weaker vessel. Whether she's the weaker vessel or not, treat her like she's the weaker vessel. Always approach your wife and deal with your wife like she's delicate and like she'll break easily. Treat her well. Treat her like she's the woman who has a fragile heart. You know, sometimes I give my wife little love tips, but she says, ouch, that hurt. I call myself holding her firmly, but again, she says that hurts. She calls me heavy-handed. That means I have to learn to uh, 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 that my sensitivities are not the same as her sensitivities. And if I want to be effective with her, if I want her to receive the message that I'm trying my best to send when I touch her, then I need to adjust my sensitivities to hers. That's what you do when you want your wife to submit to you. That's what you do when you're trying to show and tell and let your wife know that I'm the man who cares for your heart. You may think there's nothing wrong with the way you speak to your wife, treat your wife, or handle your wife. Uh, uh, but why don't you ask your wife about that? Be careful, though. Don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. Treat your wife like she's the weaker vessel. <clears throat> Truth be told, 
Some women are stronger emotionally and mentally than their husbands. Some women are emotionally and mentally stronger than their husbands. It's just the truth anyhow. Truth be told, men don't want to look weak before their wives. I know I'm hitting home right here. No man wants to look weak before his wife. We want our wives to respect us and honor us. We want our wives to celebrate us. And yes, we want our wives to submit to us. Every man, whatever that word submits mean, I don't have time to, to go into that right now, but whatever that word submit really means, we want our wives to submit to us. But some men put on fronts to cover up for their weaknesses. Hence, they base their approach to their wife on a lie and it continually blows up in their face. Men, you are made to be over your wife. But understand this. Being over her does not necessarily mean you're the boss of her. Being over her does not mean that you are the boss of her. Being over her does not mean she does not have purpose and should be relegated to some second-class existence or be stepped on and walked on by you. Being over her does not mean she walks behind you. Being over her does not mean that she's, you step on her. And being over her doesn't mean she walk in front of you either. Being over your wife means you are in the perfect position to serve her. Being over your wife means you are in the perfect position to meet her need. Get that man. And as my grandmother used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Being over her. Hmm. Being over her means. Give her something worth submitting to and she will follow. I think I told you last week how Jesus was ready to work a miracle to feed those 5,000 men, not including the women and children. But before he worked the miracle, he directed the men to sit down in companies of 50. And I just believe that Jesus was sending multiple messages before he worked that miracle. And one message was, if I can get the men in their right places, if I can get the men in the right position, the women and the children will automatically fall in behind them, fall in after them, because the women and the children will see that their man is a man worth submitting to. If I can just get the man in the right place. Just think about it. Jesus working a miracle in your home, Jesus working a miracle in our communities begins with Jesus being able to place the man in the right position. It begins with men getting in their places, the places that are designed by God Almighty. To every man listening to me this evening, let me tell you something. If you heard yourself described tonight in this broadcast, that means it's way past time for you to get it together. Man, if you find that you are lacking in some of the areas that I discussed, or if the areas that I discussed brought up some other area in your life where you're deficient, it's past time for you to get yourself together. It's time to stop being afraid to face yourself. Look in the mirror. Be honest with the one you see. Accept the truth about yourself. Man, you need to get yourself some help.
Why would I say get yourself some help? Because if you could help yourself, you would have done it by now. Get yourself some help. Help is not a bad thing. It's a real thing. And that's the purpose of your friends. That's the purpose of ministers. That's the purpose of accountability partners. You have a system. You have a, 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 a network of support and help. And don't think I'm being judgmental or putting anyone down. I'm trying my best to let us all know that we have help and we need to take advantage of that help. You don't have to continue to mislead your wives and families in the name of leading them. You don't have to continue to play a role in front in front of your wife in the name of being a man. Reach out to somebody and get some help. If you're not getting the results you desire in your marriages and your family, reach out to somebody. Help is available. If you find that you're not meeting the benchmarks I've described here this evening, if you find that you're not reaching up to the standard, it's past time for you to get some help. If you're upset with me tonight, if you don't like what I've been sharing, guess what? I found you. If you're rejecting it, say, man, that stuff ain't about nothing, then guess what? I found you. I found you. As one of my guiding principles for the marriage is, self-awareness. Self-awareness is paramount. You got to know yourself. You got to know what motivates you, what ticks you, what makes you tick, what pushes you, what drives you. Get in touch with that. Get control of that. And as we said in the verse episode episode in the series on man's issues, surrender your life to God and you can become the man worth submitting to. All right. I'm out of time tonight. It's been so good being with you here on Marriage and Family Clinic. I hope something I've said encourages you, enlightens you and helps you out tonight. If you hear me and you like it, email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know how it's going. Uh, if you have something that you would like for me to discuss, email me inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Definitely want to hear from you. Hey, but it's been so good to be with you. I'll be with you next week. Until then, remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.